Hello, fellow truckers. Welcome to the Truckers Following Christ podcast. This is Pastor Steve, your host. And today's topic is how to study the Bible. Now, most people don't look in the first few pages of their Bible. Uh, They just start reading uh, whatever passage that they're going to be studying or looking at. Now, reading the Bible, of course, is what we want to do and what we need to do. However, the translators of our English Bible have actually provided us some really helpful tools for studying God's Word, and many of us have missed the tools that are provided to us in our Bibles. Uh, As a trucker, the better tools you have, the better the results. Imagine doing your pre-trip without a tire thumper or tire gauge. Try squeezing that truck tire or kicking it with your steel toe shoes. I would much rather have the tire gauge and the tire thumper. So having tools in studying scripture makes the journey easier. Now, uh, the Bible that I use, I mentioned in the last podcast that I generally use the New King James or the New American Standard Bible. Uh, I have in my hand the New King James Bible that I use, and uh, it gives me some helpful information right at the start. It says that it was translated out of the original tongues and with the former translations diligently compared and revised. The Bible I have is actually a reference edition Bible. It has center column references, it has concordance, translation notes, and significant textual variants, and then also special study aids. And I want to talk about that for a little bit, because I think it will be helpful to you to know what tools are provided to you. Um, Not every Bible has one of my favorite tools which is why I highly recommend getting a study Bible that has a cross-reference section. Uh, A reference Bible is usually what it's called. It usually has a center column uh, between the scripture passages where parallel verses are listed that correspond to the chapter and verse that you are studying. So, for example, the most famous Bible verse in the world, uh, in any language, is John 3.16. So, That particular passage, you all should know this one by heart. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So in my Bible, in the reference section, if you look and see John 3.16, it actually has two cross-references. It says Romans 5.8, Which, if you go read that, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So cross-referencing that passage with John 3.16, you can see in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us. So that's a cross-reference there. Uh, in John 3.16, he gave his only begotten son. In Romans 5.8, the cross-reference is Christ died for us. So he was given for us. He, he died for us. And then if you look at uh, the second cross-reference, it's Isaiah 9.6. says, For unto us a child is born. Uh, 
Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You've probably heard that passage around Christmas time a lot, and you probably hadn't thought of it as a cross-reference to John 3.16. But in that passage, Isaiah 9.6, it says, A son is given. So that's a direct cross-reference to he gave his only begotten son. Uh, You also have a cross-reference to the last part of John 3.16, where it talks about um, that if you believe in him, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, In the Isaiah 9.6 passage, it says that the government will be upon his shoulder. So we know that is a reference to a future date, Uh, It's a reference to a lasting reign. We know that Christ is coming again to set up his kingdom. uh, And he will have a thousand year reign preparing the earth for the Father to come and to uh, dwell with his creation. Um, We also have a cross-reference in he's the everlasting father. So we know that uh, because he is the everlasting father, he is able to give us everlasting life. So that's how you can see that a reference section in your Bible is very helpful because it gives more insight into a passage of Scripture. Uh, One key principle in studying Scripture is that Scripture interprets Scripture. Let me say that again. A key component to understanding the Scripture is that Scripture interprets Scripture. So, if you don't understand a passage, there is a high likelihood that there is another passage that gives more understanding to what you're trying to study. Thus, the cross-reference is very helpful. Now, my Bible is also a red-letter edition, which I find helpful. Uh, Red-letter means simply that uh, the words that Jesus specifically spoke in the New Testament are written in red letters in your Bible. Uh, It's helpful to see when Jesus is speaking versus when other people are speaking. Um, So uh, a helpful tool to have. Um, There are also some translation notes that you'll find in most Bibles, even if it's not a reference Bible. Uh, but they will have equivalent translations listed that are either a literal translation, so it'll list a word that, uh, although the passage you're reading will have, uh, you know, certain words used, but there'll be a cross-reference to that verse with a different word as an option, a literal word, uh, or a synonym. Sometimes it will also say that the word in the text that you're reading has another option of a word. It will say, or, using this word. It's an alternate translation. Uh, Now, again, as I mentioned in my last podcast, the original language, uh, any translation of an original language is going to fall short in some way because you have to decide as the translator which word best describes the word that was used. And as I mentioned in the last episode, uh, the, there are some Hebrew words that have up to a hundred different English meanings. 
it. So uh, it is very difficult as the job of the translator to decide which word is best. So sometimes there will be alternate translations that are justified in the original text, but the translators chose their particular word choice, feeling that it was more appropriate. So uh, now I do want to say at this point, I believe that the Bible is God's word. It is 100% accurate. Uh, there is uh, no error in the original language. Uh, having said that, with translations, there are uh, a few problems at times where we need to really study what the text is saying to understand what it's saying, because it, our language changes as well. English changes... Um, uh, year to year, it seems. There's always new words that are added, and old words that had a certain meaning change meaning. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the word cool, which used to mean that you're cold, and now it means that you're, well, cool. <laughs> so, um, words change, meanings change, and we have to understand that, that our language is not stagnant. It continues to expand in its meanings. So, um, just keep that in mind. Uh, God's word is 100% accurate. You can trust it. Uh, the original language is exactly as, as God intended it to be. And translations, it's helpful for us in English to have more than one uh, Bible version that we are looking at. Again, I recommend them being word-for-word -word translations. But uh, you, can, you can gain more understanding by seeing what different translators used uh, in the same passage. Uh, there are also explanatory notes that explain the word or the phrase in more detail than what the text explains. Uh, there's also language notes where it will tell you whether this uh, is a, a Greek word, an Aramaic word, or a Hebrew word, and it will then tell you the literal English translation of that word. Um, there are also textual notes that can be helpful in understanding the passage that you're studying. Uh, some source texts uh, differ slightly. Now, when I say source texts, there are different uh, transcriptions of the scriptures uh, that we have uh, either the whole translation or we have fragments of it, like you're probably familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls. There are fragments of different portions of, of scripture in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, and your Bible will tell you uh, with textual notes which source text was used. A uh, good reference Bible will explain the differences and which passages have more or less content based on which source text was used. So some Bible versions will actually use um, a, a more modern um, source text, which sometimes has less uh, information in it, less, less material to translate. Uh, so you'll find in some Bibles there will be portions missing in a passage of scripture that you've read before that you remember there being more content. Well, that's because the version of the Bible you're looking at was translated from a different source text. So again, something to be aware of. Oftentimes those, and most of the time, those Bibles will have a footnote saying that this uh, passage has more content, and here's what the, the more content is uh, based on whichever source text that they did not use. There are also different font types that are used in the text of your Bible. 
they indicate certain important aspects of the translation. Uh, you need to check your Bible to, to see what fonts they use uh, for determining different things. In mine, for instance, an oblique type is used to indicate a quotation in the New Testament from an Old Testament passage. Uh, in my Bible, the italic script uh, indicates that the words used are not in the original language, but they're needed for the English translation to, uh, to clarify what is being talked about. Um, I also want to mention, and you probably know this already, but the subject headings that you'll find in your Bible are actually not in the original, uh, as well as the chapter and verse divisions. Uh, those are not uh, part of what we have originally given to us by those who wrote the scriptures. Um, Sometimes it's better to read the whole epistle, if you're reading one of Paul's epistles, for instance, one of his letters, to understand the full context before studying a certain passage within that book. Because sometimes the heading will give you an idea of something when you really need to look at the whole book to see what is the subject matter that's being talked about. And a lot of the light of Paul's letters, for instance, are fairly short, so you, you can do that even in whatever time you have allotted for studying. Just, uh, you know, one day read the whole book and the next day start studying a certain passage. Another tool that is oftentimes missed is that a uh, bold-faced verse numeral uh, so like, you know, verse verse number two in chapter four uh, might be bold uh, as opposed to the other uh, numbers that are not bold. That indicates a paragraph break in the original language. So sometimes the paragraph actually doesn't end until the next chapter. So pay attention to that, because again, the headings will sometimes throw you off on the flow of the text. Uh, so look for where is that bold verse number, and where is the next bold verse number, and then you read uh, that whole paragraph as one unit without uh, uh, breaking that up into different pieces and missing what the paragraph is telling you in its entirety. Some Bibles, uh, mine does this, and I'm actually very grateful for that. Um, the personal prona pronouns uh, are capitalized when they refer to God. Now, I know the New King James does that. The New American Standard Bible does not. So, uh, again, something just pay attention to. Uh, if your Bible does that, it's a helpful tool. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is the covenant name of God, which uh, we have... The, the Hebrew letters are Y-H-W-H, at least that's how we would pronounce it in, in English. Uh, we, you've probably heard these two names, Yahweh and Jehovah. Those are the English way of pronouncing the Y-H-W-H. In the ancient Hebrew, there were no vowels, so the pronunciation of YHWH, that being God's covenant name, it actually means I am that I am. That's how he introduced himself to Moses, uh, and that is the name 
of God. Uh, it is it is uh, so regarded as so holy in uh, Judaism that they do not uh, ever pronounce that name. But in English, that YHWH, um, either Yahweh or Jehovah, is um, translated in our Bibles as Lord, and the Lord will be every letter capitalized, or God in every letter capitalized. Uh, the reason that we have the two different names, the Yahweh and Jehovah, is actually a transcription difference. So the Romans, when they were transcribing, they didn't transcribe YHWH, they transcribed YHVH, uh, which is where we get Jehovah from, whereas YHWH would be where we get Yahweh from. So just a little side note on that. Uh, now, if you can find a Bible that has a concordance or get one separately, it will help you to find passages more quickly. Uh, you do want to get a concordance that is specific to the version of the Bible that you are using. So, for instance, I'm studying the New King James Version currently. If I'm using a New International Version concordance, it's going to confuse me because the, the language is going to be a little different. The key word might not be the same key word that I'm trying to find. Um, if you grew up in the church, uh, I recommend uh, getting a Bible from what you are uh, familiar with having memorized scripture uh, and then having a concordance that goes along with that because you will you will remember passages of scripture based on what you memorized as a child and uh, it will be a lot easier to find certain verses with that phraseology that you you learned as a child. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I prefer the New King James um, as my study Bible um, is because I, I also grew up with that language uh, in, in church, whether King James or New King James. Now, a concordance uh, lets you look up an English word and find all of the main references where that word is used. So for instance, uh, since I'm an uh, over-the-road truck driver, I looked up the word road in my concordance, and it is found at least three times in the New King James Version. Uh, now my concordance is pretty short, uh, pretty small, because it's part of my Bible, so it's in the back. So it just lists three main passages, and I can look at that and see, okay, the word road is used in Isaiah 43, 19, in Isaiah 51, 10, and in Acts 9, 27. Now maps are also a helpful tool in determining which places have the same name uh, back in ancient days as well as today. So for instance, an interesting fact, a uh, very important fact, is Mount Moriah, which is referenced in the Old Testament in regards to Abraham uh, when he was told to sacrifice Isaac. Uh, that was on Mount Moriah, and that is the same mount as to where Golgotha or Calvary is located, which is where Jesus was crucified. Not an accident, but without a uh, map, you might not see that. Um, and uh, you that's helpful information to know that uh, Isaac was a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus dying on the cross for us at Calvary. 
It's the same location where that happened. God did that intentionally, and that's why he didn't allow uh, Abraham to go through with sacrificing his son, because that was just a foreshadowing of what was to come that God the Father was going to do with his son. There are many more tools that you can use, especially online, uh, which obviously is preferable, so you don't have to bring a ton of books with you in your truck. However, I do recommend having an actual Bible with you instead of relying on your phone, as I'm sure you have too. I've been in a lot of places where there is no cell phone coverage, or at least no internet. Uh, some of the other tools that you can access, particularly online, are lexicons that will give you more meaning into the uh, Greek or Hebrew words, dictionaries that will give you more historical background. Uh, now, when I say dictionaries, I'm talking about Bible dictionaries. Um, uh, English language dictionaries may or may not be helpful because, again, you have to think of the time period uh, of when your Bible was translated as to what English words were used at that point. Uh, again, our English language is constantly changing, so uh, and, and words take on new meanings. So you don't want to get confused with that. It can get a little dangerous. But uh, Bible dictionaries are helpful. They give you historical context and more detail and, and also cross-references and things like that. Uh, there's also interlinear Bibles, which are really helpful. They, uh, they have the original text as well with the English uh, translation directly under that word. And you can see how the Greek or the Hebrew or Aramaic is structured uh, and how you wouldn't be able to just read it in English that way because it's, in some cases, it's backwards from the way we would say things. But it's helpful to see that. Uh, and then also getting like a, a Strong's Concordance helps you to uh, get more in-depth on what the words mean uh, in the original language. Uh, another tool that I really love is called the Harmony of the Gospels, and this is a, uh, a resource that will place the four Gospels, so uh, I'm assuming you know what the Gospels are. Uh, I've got uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, those are the four accounts of Christ's first coming and what he did uh, during his ministry and then leading up to the cross and his burial and resurrection and then the uh, leading up to the book of Acts uh, where the church was was born. So the harmony of the Gospels, what it does is it places the verses from each of the four Gospels in a chronological order. Uh, which is really helpful. Like I love doing that at uh, resurrection, resurrection Day times or Easter time. Uh, we read that as a family from the Harmony of the Gospels, the whole account of uh, what Christ did for us, because you, you get the full context of what happened during those days uh, before going to the cross and during and after. Finally, I want to encourage you. Uh, you spent weeks and months learning how to be a professional driver. You invested time, money, sacrifice in learning this job, and uh, you get better at it every day. You understand that you hold many people's lives in your hands based on how you drive your rig. Likewise, I want you to keep in mind that as a follower of Christ, you are 
an ambassador of Christ. So invest time in that. Invest effort. Invest money. Invest sacrifice. It's equally important because as a follower of Christ, we also hold people's lives in our hand. Thank you for listening and uh, look for our next episode where I'll talk about how to pray the Bible. <laughs>